Baptist Church. It is so good to see everybody. How are you all doing other than just freezing cold? Anybody with me on that? Uh, and uh, just so glad you guys are here. It's so good to be with family. And I want to welcome you all. I'm going to pray uh, as we get started today. Uh, God, we give you thanks for just your presence, your peace that passes understanding. God, thank you for being our ever-present help in times of trouble. God, thank you for loving us, for caring for us, for giving us strength and courage and the ability to face each day. And God, we do so with faith, we do so with trust in you and belief in you, and belief in your Son, Jesus Christ, that gives us life, and breath, and hope. And God, we just are so thankful for that. Be with us today as we study your word. Help us to find comfort today and peace. And God, help us to have a courage and a strength that only you can provide. And we pray that together in Christ's name. Amen. Well, family, as you know, on Monday night, one of our beloved Axis families the Beckmans, experienced a tragedy. Robin Beckman, the 16-year-old daughter of Chick and Heather, died tragically and unexpectedly. Heather called to let us know that Robin was being taken to emergency, but it didn't look good. So Josh and I rushed to the hospital and walked in moments after they pronounced her. Billy was there, and Chick and Heather, and it wasn't long before we were joined by Chick's brother, Tom, and his wife, Angie, and then Lisa, my brother Jonathan and and Julia, and their daughter Sophia. And over the next few hours, while the family waited for the transport from the Life Center so that they could use this tragedy to help others, there was the gamut of emotions in that room. There were moments of silence, feelings of shock and disbelief. There were tears and hugs, and there were even stories and laughter. But I tell you all of that to tell you this. In the middle of that room, in the middle of the tragedy, there was this incredible sense of hope. As we stood there, I told the family, the Bible is clear on this. Robin's last breath on earth was her first breath in heaven. And we prayed for God to give us the strength and peace that we needed. Chick said, things like this either make you turn to God or turn from God. And I'm going to let this bring me closer to God. I'm not angry at God. I'm not angry at Robin, but I am sad. But I know that I'm going to see her again in heaven. I was with Heather and Chick yesterday, and Heather said, our family is Christian. We believe in Jesus. All of our kids believe that. We have faith. In that room that night, On Monday night, my brother Jonathan reminded all of us that in the middle of all of the stars and galaxies and beauty and vastness that God has created, sits planet Earth, this beautiful creation. And he said that perhaps Earth is so small in the vastness of the universe to remind us of the glory and the greatness of our God. The same God who has created the beauty and the majesty of the world is the same God that is creating Heaven for us, a place that we only imagine, but that Robin right now is experiencing. That is our hope. And friends, in light of the events of this week, I've changed the sermon for today. And instead of talking about the story of Jonah, for a few minutes I want to address from the Bible how we as a church family can respond to tragedy within our church family. 
Because at times like these, we need more than human opinions. We need God's word. Psalm chapter 33, verse 4 says, The word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. So what does the Bible say about how we should respond to tragedy? Let me make some suggestions on how we can personally respond uh, when tragedies recur, occur. And the first thing is we can grieve. It is definitely healthy and right to grieve and mourn the loss of life. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. We've been taught to suppress our, our emotions, especially as men, and hide our feelings. But one of the most healthy things that we can do is mourn. It's right to grieve together. You don't have to know what to say. You don't have to have words. It's just as powerful to say nothing at all, but let people know that you grieve with them, that we share in your grief. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, though, reminds us that as Christians, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. We know that heaven awaits those who trust in Christ. And can I just say for a moment, the Catholic Church teaches that those who end their life, that that is the unpardonable sin. Friends, that is not in the Bible. Hear me on this. The manner of our death is not what determines our destiny. Our eternity is determined when we put our faith and our trust in the only one who can save, Jesus Christ. And so we grieve. But we don't grieve as those who have no hope. And then we pray. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. The Bible says that God offers strength to the weary, wisdom to the seeker, and comfort to the grieving. When I don't have words to speak, I pray. And I have had several private moments this week when I have found myself in that moment of not knowing what to, to say, but just pray. And yesterday, as I was working through the songs that we're going to sing on Wednesday, I was thinking about what those moments would be like, and in my heart and mind, what would be comforting to the Beckmans, but what would be encouraging to the crowd that would be there. And the last song that uh, I thought through was a song by Phil Wickham called Hymn of Heaven. And we've sung it here before, but as I was playing that on my phone, sitting in the junior high parking lot in Lebanon, Ohio, God and I had a moment, and I was punching the ceiling in a way like, yes, God, yes, yes, you're good. I'm weeping, and people are driving by, and I'm thinking, they're thinking this guy has lost it, I think. But it was a moment of prayer because in that moment, I didn't know what else to do. So pray. Pray for courage. Pray for strength. Pray for peace. Another biblical response as Christians is to set an example. The world is hungry in times of tragedy. People around you and me want to know, how will we as believers in Jesus react? God told Joshua before he entered a battle to be strong and courageous. And that is the message for our church today. We should set an example of peace in the midst of turmoil and hope in the midst of despair. The book of Philippians, Paul writes, chapter 4, verse 7, that we can have peace that passes understanding. And that is a peace that we do have, and that should be demonstrated to the world around us. This week in this room, on Wednesday at 11, there will be hundreds of people packed in here 
and people in overflow seating. And when they're coming, there will be many people that are here this week that do not have faith in Jesus. There will be high school students that are struggling through and processing through their own mortality, struggling through grief and life and death. And as they come together, how Chick and Heather and their family and how we as a church family respond to this tragedy, when we do it with hope, it will provide an example for other people about how they should deal with tragedy as well. We deal with tragedy with faith and hope in Christ. Another biblical response is compassion. The Bible says in Psalm 86, 15, but you, Lord, are compassionate. A gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love. And that should be our response as well. Nobody in this room is perfect. I think so many times there are fingers that point to other people with blame or judgmentalism. And there's no room for that. I think rather than judgmentalism, which is rampant in our culture, we should be filled with compassion and grace and mercy and love and kindness. That's how we should respond. The second thing that I want to talk about is, how can this tragedy be used for good? Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. We have been called according to his purpose. That is a tough verse to really grasp, especially during times like these. We know that God doesn't cause evil. In fact, the Bible says about him, in him there is no darkness at all. Of course, we would prefer that tragedies never occur but we know that they do. And it's hard to understand how anything good can come out of such tragedy and sadness. But we know that they do. Friends, we follow a God who specializes in taking things that Satan means for evil and somehow bringing good out of them. So let me just try to squeeze some good out of this situation that God is already using. First, We can see good when we see people of faith coming together. Robin was an active part of Young Life, and this week the students of Young Life came together to talk through all of this and pray and tell stories. Today, the ROTC will come together, and Chick is going to speak with them about hope and treating each other with kindness and not blaming, and I'll be sharing as well. Our church family will be providing meals and care for the Beckmans, as well as after the funeral service, providing meals for them there too. People of faith come together in times of tragedy, and we should. Secondly, tragedies have a way of getting to the heart of what's important in life. When death happens, people tend to reorder their priorities. Parents are spending more time with their children People are taking more time to say, I love you, and to appreciate each day. Work and priorities and ball games just don't seem to be nearly as important. Thirdly, as often happens with tragedies, people turn to God. It is always during difficult times that people begin to think about their own mortality. People realize that death does doesn't just happen to the elderly, it happens to all of us. And this is a good time for us to be the church and to listen to our friends and family and be able to demonstrate our faith in times of trouble. So one of my prayers is 
that this week in this room, that there will be young people and old people who begin to ask big questions of life and to begin to find their answers in Christ and in Christ alone. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. And that's our prayer. Fourthly, this is a good time to demonstrate love. When Satan does his worst, God is stronger still. And this is a time for us to be the people that God has called us to be in a dark world where he has told us to shine like stars in the universe. Show love to one another like never before. Come together like never before. We are not just a church. We are a family. We are together in the good times and the hard times. The third question that I want to address for just a moment is, where is God when tragedy strikes? Why does God let bad things happen? Well, there are a lot of reasons. The first one is that we live in a fallen world where sin and death reside. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, God said, you will die. The serpent immediately said, you will not surely die. You will become like God. And they chose to sin, and immediately their bodies began to decay and age. Their world began to suffer. Then came natural disasters and calamity and death. And so because of sin, people die. In storms, in famine, through disease, father dies of cancer. A young woman dies unexpectedly. Another reason is based on the decisions of others, and this one is hard to grapple with. We call this our free will. Bob Russell says that there are two extreme theological errors that we need to avoid. One says that God predetermines everything. That view reduces people to puppets, makes God the author of evil, and leaves us without answers. The other extreme says that God isn't involved at all. He wound up the world in creation and hurled it into space and watches from a distance. Thank you, Bette Midler, for that. But that view makes us orphans, mocks the power of God, and leaves us without hope. It is important that we interpret tragic events with a biblical view of God. There's a balance between the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. God is like a father who gives progressive freedom to his children, even allowing them to suffer the inevitable consequences of, an, of rebelling against his will. Here's a father who warns his son to not smoke. The little boy decides to go do it anyway. The father sees him smoking, but instead of intervening, he lets him smoke the whole cigar. The boy turns green gets sick, and decides, I don't think I'll ever do that again. The father could have prevented the boy from getting sick, but he lets it happen for the good of the son in the long run. When my kids were little, they loved to go to the park. And I remember years ago when Benjamin and Hannah were very young and they were fearless, they would fly down the slides, climb up the steps, look over the edge. I'd try not to be nervous. I didn't want to be an overbearing parent. But I found myself warning them, don't get too close to the edge. Hold the rails. Don't go so high. I'd watch with a lump in my throat. But they enjoyed it so much and had so much fun. I guess I could have said, you will only be able to get on the park if I go up that with you. But I know an overly protective parent 
can stifle the growth of a child. So I just warn and wait. And sure enough, there were times where one would fall. Hannah would get too close to the edge, and she would cry out, Daddy. And then when that happened, you know what I would do? I would say, you chose freedom. You have free will. You did not heed my advice to avoid this side. And because of that, you must now suffer the consequences of your little actions. No, I didn't say that. I immediately run to their side. I guess my kids could think, why did you let that happen to me? You knew I was going to get hurt. You shouldn't have let me get up there. But no, they get up and they try again. When we call out to God for help, even if our pain, in our pain and our difficulty, even if it's self-inflicted, God comes to our side quickly. Isaiah chapter 58 verse 9 says, Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, Here I am. Where is God in the times of tragedy? The same place you fathers are when your child gets his license for the first time and drives off in your car watching, hoping that they've learned well and that they heed your advice. He's in the same place that the father of the prodigal son was when his son rebelled in a far country and watching from the front porch, hoping the negative experience would drive him back home, and indeed it did, and when he did, he ran after him. God is in the same place that he was when his own son died on the cross and evil men gloated over his suffering. God is in the same place that he is when you and I rebel against him, standing in the shadows, respecting our freedom of choice, but waiting for us to repent and return to a right relationship with him. I believe that God grieves over death and trouble and hardship, and he waits to quickly respond to our needs. That's why the most powerful verse in the Bible is just two words. Jesus wept. It tells us about the heart of our God who loves us in the middle of tragedy and hardship and even our own dumb decisions. God is where he is. He is on the throne, hoping that his people will make the right choices, but loving us when we don't. And today, you have a choice. You have a choice to pray, to grieve, to set an example, to show love and compassion, and to put your hope and trust in the one who comforts us in our troubles and ultimately the one who takes us home. As a church family, we actually had two, uh, two times of a loved one passing. Uh, we have been walking with Alice and Steve Yeary for the last year and a half. They started to attend our church They've had such a blessed life together. Now, when they first started to come to Axis, he told me, uh, we're functional introverts. We uh, like to be here and serve. Um, don't make us greeters. We prefer not, but we would do it if you told us to. They've loved people for years. They led the children's home for children in, in Kentucky for many, many years, but 
For the last four and a half years, Alex has been dealing with ovarian cancer, and they've continued to go from treatment to treatment to treatment. They're very private. We respected their privacy. Um, and, but on Wednesday this week, I really felt in my heart that I should text them. I've texted them many times, but before, I would just say, I'm happy to come over whenever you need. But this time I wrote it differently. I felt the Lord was like, you need to go. And so I texted him and said, hey, I'm planning on coming over today, if that'd be all right. And he agreed. And I came over, and by this time, Alice had stopped communicating. Hospice was there. The home nurse was there. And they were watching over her. And I came into the little bedroom there with her bed, but then also the hospital bed that now she's in. And sat there by the bedside, held her hand. She was not on much medication. I am quite confident that she could hear me. And as we sat there, Steve talked about Alice's life and the meaning of her life and, and the things that she has done and the sweetness by which she has done it. She planned out every aspect of the end of her life, even writing her own obituary. I asked Steve, is she going to have a service? And what are the arrangements? And he said, no, we've never liked that. Uh, we're not going to have a memorial service. We're going to have her cremated, and her, she's going to be in an urn here. And then it dawned on me that the reason that I was supposed to be there is because I was to have her memorial service right there in front of her. And so I read her obituary that she herself had written. And then I read from Revelation chapter 21 where it says, God said that I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and I saw uh, Christ coming and saying, that the dwelling of God is with men, and they will be his people, and he will be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eye, and there'll be no mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And then I read 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8, For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure has come. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, but not only to me, but all who have longed, for his appearing. And we prayed. And on Saturday uh, at 2.45 in the morning, Alice went home. A few weeks ago, we had coffee together at Kala, sat across the table. She was asking big questions. She was walking through the process of, of how to make it through each day. And a verse came to me from a song an old song called, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Great is Thy Faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with Thee. But the verse that struck me was the verse that says, Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. And I said, Alice, that's what you need today. Strength for today. Strength for today. Not for tomorrow. The Bible says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. God, give me strength today for whatever I face. Give me strength in the midst of tragedy, strength in the midst of hardship. Give me strength for today. But then, give me hope for tomorrow. Give me hope for tomorrow. Help me know that tomorrow might be better than today. Help me know that I, I have a hope in Christ. Help me know that even if things don't work out the way that I want them to, that on the other side of eternity, there's hope. 
there's heaven. And we look forward to that oak. Uh, Steve sent me a text with the picture that I want to show you here. This was drawn out after that coffee meeting by, uh, by Alice's daughter-in-law. And they had that on their piano there in the home. So that every day she could be reminded, God, give me strength. Give me strength for today. And that's what we pray for as a church family. We don't have it all together. We uh, have our moments of weakness. And we have our moments of not knowing what to say or how to say it. But what we do know to, how to do is to say, God, give us strength now. In this moment, we need it. And then, God, give us hope for tomorrow. Give us hope for tomorrow. And that's what I want to pray for you now in this very, very moment. God, we pray for strength, God. Strength and courage right now, today. And God, we pray that you would give us that strength. Not for tomorrow, not for the next day. We'll worry about that then. But God, give us strength for this moment. Give us strength for this moment. And then God, when the day of celebrating Robin comes here on Wednesday, give us strength for that day. Give us courage for that day. Help us to demonstrate a peace that passes understanding, even in the midst of grief and tragedy and hardship struggle. Help us to be real about the difficulty, but let, let us also be people of faith, people who don't grieve without hope. And then God, give us hope for tomorrow. Hope that knowing that on this side of eternity, it's short. We're here, but for a little while, the Bible says we're like a mist. Our life is a mist who's here for a little while, then gone tomorrow. Help us to know that eternity is forever, God. And that Robin is just there today to, to show us the way. And that here in a few years, it's going to be me. It's going to be Chick. It's going to be other. It's going to be others, God, that enjoy that great reunion in heaven. And Robin and my dad and my sister and others say, oh, I can't wait to show you this. I can't wait to show you around what God has done. I can't wait to show you my house. I can't wait to invite you in. Strength for the day, hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine, and 10,000 besides. God, you do bless us. Thank you for the hope that you give us in Christ. We celebrate you today, God, and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to sing a song here at the end called There's Joy in the House of the Lord. Uh, the song actually is referring to us together as a church family in places like this church. But we're going to think about it today in terms of heaven. We're going to think about the joy in the house of the Lord for eternity. And so would you stand? Would you celebrate with me?